and I see healing in the word and, and learning how to navigate that and, and, and to live by faith, what it really means. Cause faith is believing something, having trust in God when you don't see it and you don't feel it. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, my name is Todd Carlton and this is the Toddcast. As always, we are hearing stories of how awesome and real Jesus is. And my guest today is from Western Canada, has a YouTube channel called A Lifestyle of Evangelism, which is a testament to the Lord. And she has suffered since birth with cystic fibrosis. Five years ago, she received a double lung transplant and is here today to share her story and faith journey. Please welcome Lynn Marie. Hey, Lynn. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share how awesome God is. Oh, I appreciate it. And it's totally an honor to meet you. I'm so glad uh, we have this opportunity today. Praise God. So, Lynn, you're, uh, you're, born, you're born in Canada? Yes. Yeah, I am born and raised here in Canada. And I'm thankful to be here because many people who live in Canada know how much Jesus is needed here. So many times we want to flock to the light, go to the States. And I have been in the States and everyone seems to really know about Jesus. But uh, yeah, I've been here my whole life. And, you know, like the Bible says, God appoints, you know, a season and a time for us to be born and, and where we're supposed to live, the borders of where we live. So I'm just plugged in here, Canada, and and just, uh, yeah, representing Jesus uh here on the West Coast and wherever I go. And that's awesome. And and the reason I asked that is because when I first discovered who you were, it was it was um, through some uh, an American evangelist and all that, uh, which we can get to how that came about. But um, your your um, your YouTube channel, a lifestyle of evangelism. I was checking that out the other day, and the very first video that came up, or at least for me, was uh, fight sickness with every breath. And I got to be like, I it racked me watching this video. It was so powerful. Um, and just to get to how you, you got to that. So you were born with cystic fibrosis. Can you kind of like go back and sort of set, set that up with that, how that all yeah, began absolutely. for you? I, I was born, um, when I was born, my mom was, a was an alcoholic and, you know, drug addict and that sort of thing. And my mom tried to clean up my biological mom tried to clean up so that she could have me and raise me because she actually aborted the child before me. Um, and by the grace of God, she was trying to clean up. She admitted herself to the hospital and tried to, to have me, but I guess, um, for some reason she ended up giving me up for adoption. And so, um, yeah, my mom, Anna, she ended up adopting me at three months old and, I feel like God looked to and fro the whole earth looking for a heart that was perfect to raise me because um, she didn't know, but at three years old, uh, she'd find out that I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And at that time in the 80s, the life expectancy was only four years old. So my mom that adopted me didn't think that I'd live much longer. And she just kind of cried out to God and was like, you know, uh, if my child has to die before me. It just doesn't seem right. And she kind of in the light, you know, the Bible says the walk in the light as you're in the light and the light that she had was just to 
literally ask God for mercy. And by his mercy, I, I lived past the age of four. And um, at about age 12, I started getting really sick in my lungs from cystic fibrosis, where my mom actually thought that I only had two weeks to live. I was in, in uh, Alberta Children's Hospital. And um, yeah, they were preparing my funeral. Wow. You know, but I, I knew about God. I didn't know there, I didn't know him like a relationship, like I know him today, but I knew there was a God. And I just remember being on my deathbed at the age of 12, just going, God help. And I just remember peace coming over me at that moment and just God's peace saturating me, you know, and breathing a a sigh of relief, you know, being like, you know, I'm going to make it. And I didn't know I was supposed to die, (laughs) but, um, you know, God, he has a plan for every one of our lives. You know, he's predestined us to do good works and, you know, we don't need to hear an audible voice, what to do for God. We just get to glorify him with every breath. So, um, yeah, it's many times that I wasn't supposed to live. And so, you know, sometimes I feel like King David, who's like, I overcame the bear with God. I overcame the lion with God. And, and what is this uncircumcised Philistine standing before me, you know? And, and yeah, with God, I wouldn't be alive, you know, it wasn't for his healing mercy. So that's kind of where, where I came from, like out of a place of, you know, um, yeah, not really being wanted by my mom, but I'm so accepted as a Christian. I have no sense of rejection or anything like that. I just am in love with Jesus. I, I live with every breath to glorify God. And, you know, when you look at Jesus, you just, all that stuff from your past just falls off, like, you know, like water off a duck's back. And I just know that he's planned, he's predestined all of us to, to live for his glory. So um, I've been a Christian about 17 or 18 years now. And um, yeah, I just, I just had it in my heart. Like as soon as I got born again, you know, I just had a, in my heart to, to love people because the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. And, and ever since I got saved, you know, I just had it in my heart to, to be a light for Jesus, you know, and, and I think that's so important that we testify what God's done and, and just share what God has done in our life because no one can take that from us. Absolutely. Um, can, can I just ask you, uh, when you were 12, like when you got really sick, were you aware at that time that you were adopted? Like, were you dealing with that as well? Yeah, my mom actually raised me. As soon as she adopted me, she told me that I was adopted. So, you know, people would say to me, uh, oh, you look just like your mom. And I was very, very bold and outspoken as a kid. And I'd just be like, I'm not, I'm adopted. That's not my real mom, <laughs> you know? But I, I received my mom as if she was my biological mom, but... I had no issues. I think it was really healthy because I knew I was adopted. I felt special because I knew I was kicked out and, you know, I knew that I had cystic fibrosis and later on, I knew that I I might not live, you know, past the age of 30, you know, and, and, um, but as medical innovations got better and better over time, you know, my life expectancy went up and up until, you know, they said I might live past the, or I might live to be 30 years old. And, you know, just the other day, I just celebrated my 39th birthday. And uh, the Bible says with long life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. So that's, uh, that's what I stand on. God sustains me. Like Paul said, I, 
I live and move and have my being in Jesus. He is um, the body and I'm part of his body and, and the life of God flows in my body and, and sustains me even to this present moment. Well, ha- well, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and your, your, um, your parents, were they, was there any kind of upbringing in that? Or cause you said you weren't like when you were 12, did, was there any, were they Christians at the time or? Right. Yeah. Um, so when I was 12, like, so when my mom adopted me, she was raised as a Catholic and, and I think I was brought to church like at Christmas and Easter I remember my grandma had these like statues of Jesus that were really creepy in her bedroom. And I remember looking at those statues, uh, knowing that God was real, but not knowing in his goodness or knowing anything about God. My mom never really taught me, you know, the word of God. She never really taught me to read the Bible because you don't really get taught that, you know, in, um, in some denominations, right? You just get taught to to come to church and that's how you're saved. But so I didn't really have a relationship with God. I I didn't really, you know, know much about God. I I just kind of um, knew there was a God. And my mom started um, after, after I was raised from my deathbed at age 12, um, my mom started going to a Baptist church. And I remember going there and just the love and the kindness they gave my mom a car because um, my uh, stepdad had, when he found out that I had cystic fibrosis way back when I was a young child, he actually ended up leaving my mom because he couldn't handle, you know, just having a child that had cystic fibrosis with like a, you know, a premature death, you know, a prognosis of not living very long. And I guess he, my, my, my dad that adopted me with my mom, he just didn't want to, he couldn't handle that. And so my mom was actually single pretty much her whole, my whole childhood. Um, And she, she, she was pretty much single. And then she did get remarried when I uh, was on my deathbed at age 12. And he ended up leaving my mom um, as well. And so my mom pretty much just raised me the best she knew to do. And when we were going to that Baptist church, she would pray for me and, and I knew there was a God. I knew that he is the reason why I didn't die when I was 12. But then after that, there wasn't really, you know, if we don't have a real knowledge of who Jesus is and, and that he's not only our savior and our healer, but he's also our Lord. Um, we, it's really easy to, to live off of a miracle or a healing. And even though I was raised from my deathbed, I forgot God. I literally was um, like, I wasn't completely uh I still had cystic fibrosis, but it was a miracle of God that, that I actually made it through that when I was 12 years old, um, because my lungs were so, um, infected and sick. And even the doctors, like I said, didn't think I'd live much longer because of the infection that was raging in my lungs. And so, um, after I was raised up, I just went into, you know, the party lifestyle and just, uh, I just thought, you know, I'm going to die young, so I might as well live it up. And, and, you know, you know, with the partying and the drinking and, and just the bad friends, you know, and going through high school, just thinking that I wouldn't live much longer. So I'll just have the time of my life. And that's all I really knew. I didn't have really a conviction in the God that saved me and, and, and healed me when I was 12. 
That's that's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of similar stories like that. People get taken out of the clutches of something, and then you know, if we don't if we don't keep pressing in, we we can so easily be steered away, right, by the things of the world. And I guess too, at that age too, right, like you said, if you if you're they're telling you, everybody's telling you, well, you don't have long to live, then that almost seems like a a natural route to take. So. I, I guess your cystic fibrosis was managed medically throughout your teenage years. Is that kind of, yeah, it was after, um, God raised me up off my deathbed. I, I was very rarely in the hospital. It was like the enemy, um, who is, you know, Satan is the author of sickness and disease. And he comes, Jesus said to kill, steal and to destroy. And, and he kind of was destroying my life from the inside out in the sense of my lungs were slowly deteriorating, but I wasn't, so sick that you could tell on the outside because I wasn't wearing oxygen yet. I just had to do all this physio, uh, chest physio to keep my lungs clear um, because cystic fibrosis is uh, what doctors call a genetic disease that there is no natural cure for. Um, and it affects all the organs, but mostly the lungs, the digestive system, just any organ that has mucus around it. And so um, the enemy just... You know, sickness was still in my body, but I was just, you know, living, living like living in the world and, and just living for myself. And, and, you know, I was still having to do the medication. I still went to the doctor's appointments, but it wasn't really that bad. I didn't have to go in the hospital very much. It was almost like, you know, it was just, it was still slowly, it's like a little air leak, you know, in a balloon. It was slowly, my life was um, slowly leaking out and it was actually once I became a Christian when when I actually had the the real fight of my life you know to stand for healing and resist sickness okay so how how about that when when you really became a Christian so what happened there and was that before or after you got married right so I became a Christian um and at around so, so I lived my party lifestyle, just doing whatever I wanted. I didn't have a father figure, so I just, I just lived it up, so to speak. And my mom was still uh, going to a Baptist church in my city. She was praying for me. That's why the, you know, I believe in the power of prayer. You know, like God will honor that. You know, that prayer. You know, that's why it's so important that we intercede and stand for people that we know aren't safe. Even though they look like hellions, it's like when we pray and, you know, a simple prayer. My mom didn't know all this doctrinal stuff and all that. All she was is like, Lynn, Lord, just save, save Lynn and, and, and be with her. And, you know, I don't know all the prayers that she prayed, but um, I was just living it up. And, and at about age 19, my mom kept inviting me to church, but I would never go because I'd always be you know, uh, hungover or it would be, you know, sleeping in and that sort of thing. But finally I decided at about age 19 to go to this church with my mom. I finally decided to go. I remember it was like Easter time. And I just remember the pastor sharing about being bold for God and to have a sign like to, to show God, you know, that we're bold and, and to make a step of faith to, to show our boldness in God. And, and I just remember it was like this huge church, very conservative. And I just remember just weeping and crying out to God and just 
and just literally repenting, you know, wishing, you know, repentance is going like, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. And, and I just have faith that you can forgive me. And I just remember going up front and front of this huge conservative church and just weeping. And I was like one of the only people that went up and I didn't care. I just did that bold step for God. And I went up front and I just wept and cried. And I don't remember what the pastor prayed or if he even did pray with me, but it was an appointment with God. It was, you know, the Bible says that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance and I just remember being tired of, of living life and there was nothing in it. You know, there was no satisfaction or joy coming from my life, being selfish and all that. And so when I repented before God, I just remember the love of God coming into me and, and just uh, a passion for him. Wow. Powerful. It was, it was like me, me and God, you know, and, and it literally felt like he washed me as clean as snow. And that's why it's so important that we believe the the simplicity of the gospel that, you know, Jesus literally does wipe us clean as snow and, and he throws our sin away, you know, into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't even remember it anymore. And so it's like in that moment, I didn't know much about God, except that I was forgiven and that... I was on my way to heaven. I didn't have a revelation of healing that I could, you know, not only pray for other people's healing, but I didn't know that that I could be healed because it wasn't really taught in that church. And if I would have stayed there, you know, I would have died because the Bible says that that, that God's people die for lack of knowledge. And and um, I just remember in that church they were they were handing out hot chocolate to the homeless people in in our city. Uh, where the prostitutes were and the drug addicts and and me and my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, um, we were um, downtown handing out hot chocolate, praying, kind of, well, not really praying, more like talking and just sowing seeds of kindness to these homeless people. And I remember one of the homeless guys, there were two of them. They said their names were Cheech and Chong. <laughs> and, um, and they said, one of the guys, I think it was, I don't know which one it was, but he, he invited me to this church that was downtown where, the, where, where they were. And he said, my, my daughter invited me to this church downtown. And he said, if you come this Sunday, I will go and my daughter will be there. And so I said to my boyfriend, Robert, I said, you know, if I can get anybody into a church, I don't care what church it is, I'll show up. So I remember, you know, getting up and, and, and going to this downtown church and, and, and seeing that the homeless guy there, he was there. And I didn't realize it, but it was actually a divine appointment for me because the pastor started sharing about healing and that God's will was healing. And that, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible talks about that you know, that, that he not only paid for our sins, you know, in Isaiah 53, it says that, you know, the thorns were, were put on his head, you know, and, and, and because of that, we have peace. And the Bible said that how he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and um, by his stripes we were healed. And I learned that day for the first time that, that I could be healed, that Jesus paid for my healing, and that I didn't have to die prematurely. 
So that, that church moment, um, just going there for someone else actually was a divine appointment for me. And I just remember receiving that like a childlike faith going, wow, like this seems too good to be true that I don't have to die early that not only am I on my way to heaven, but, but God wants me well here in earth, here on the earth right now. And so I went up front and I just remember getting the pastor to pray for me. And, and he asked me if I had a covenant with God and I didn't really know what covenant meant, but, but I said, yes, I, I, you know, I believe in Jesus and he prayed for me the prayer of faith for my healing. And, and that's when my journey in the next kind of phase of my Christian walk was, which was learning to, to get into the word of God. And, and like the Bible says to study and show yourselves approved unto God, like a workman that needeth not be ashamed. You know, we, we can study the word as much as we want and eat his word. And that's what I began to do um, from that moment on. So that, so the moment at the, at the first church was really pivotal and, and, like a true repentance for you that sort of launched you into really, really growing in what the Lord had on your life. Yeah, exactly. I got saved, you know, at the Baptist church, praise God, you know, cause it's all about, you know, just preaching salvation and, and just such important things. Like the most important thing is to, to make Jesus the Lord and savior of your life. And, and that's what happened at that church. It was, it was like you said, pivotal. And then God had to bring me to a place where I would learn my authority as a believer and, and, and my, my rights and, and the promises of, of healing that God had for me and even learning evangelism at that church as well. That's where, where I started actually getting deeper into God's, you know, God's word and developing my relationship. I find it really I find it really cool too that you and your husband, well, boyfriend at the time, that you went out to sort of to outreach people, and then you get invited to a church by someone that yeah. you're trying to reach. That's awesome. I know that's how God is. It's like when we get selfless and we give God our everything, that's where God's able to bless us in that place of thinking about other people, and then we find out that really you can never outgive God when you're giving in your you know, you're caring about other people. That's where God has divine connections for you. And when you're a living river and God's life is flowing through you to other people, it's still flowing in you and you, you sense his, his love and his joy and his overflow. It's like, you can't ever love people more than yourself. Like God is always pouring back into you. And that day it was like just that small act of love God was able to open up the floodgates of heaven and, and bring me to a place of, of knowing his will for healing. So it was, I never expected that, but it was in that place of loving other people that I was able to find out life and death truths from God's word. Amen. So what, uh, what, what's the next sort of chunk of time look like after that? Like you got married and, and your cystic fibrosis, I guess, was somewhat in check or managed or, or during this time. So what's the next bunch of time or a few years look like for you at this point? Yeah. So, um, after I started going to this new church where I learned about healing, um, I shortly got engaged to my boyfriend and we ended up getting married. I think it was like four or six months later, we got married really quickly. And, um, 
what we did for our honeymoon is we went to Bible school. You know, my church, that church that I was going to had a, a video Bible school. So we went to that and we started going to just anytime the church doors were open, we were there, you know, if it was, you know, Bible school on Tuesdays and Thursdays, Monday was youth. Um, Wednesday was prayer. Friday was uh, youth as well. Uh, something else was on Monday. But anyways, we were there all, anytime the doors were open. So me and my husband just, we didn't go on a honeymoon. We just got married and, you know, we were expecting any day now that I would have my manifestation of healing, that I wouldn't be dealing with cystic fibrosis anymore because the Bible said that, that by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. And, and like a child, I began to learn and grow in the word and, and begin to learn that, that it was going to be a fight of faith. And so my husband, right when we met and we learned about healing, he began to film my uh, hospitalizations when I would have to go into the hospital and and, you know, I was in this place of just knowing the word of God, you know, the Bible talks about having zeal <laughs> and not really having the experience or the, the opportunity to walk out my faith. It was just kind of a head knowledge that I know I'm healed and I love Jesus and I'm, you know, on my way to heaven. And so my husband began to film my testimony expecting, you know, any day that, that my healing would just, um, be manifested. So we, I remember one night going to bed by faith with the camera, like just sitting on me, like, or not sitting on me, but pointed at me so that when I woke up I, that I'd be able to capture my healing. And then, you know, the months would click by and then the, the many months would click by and six months, 10 months, a year, two years. And then the years would click by and there were, wasn't any manifestation in the natural that we could see. And I began to get discouraged because I, I saw it in the word of God that by his stripes, I'm healed. And that, you know, he took my sicknesses and, and, and that Jesus went about healing all the sick all the time. And I saw it in the word, but I wasn't seeing it in my life. So my husband was filming and filming. And then it ended up being, you know, over 20 years of, of footage of him filming my faith. And, and my testimony, my video testimony started kind of turning into more of um, seeing what it means to, to stand. The Bible talks about having to stand, stand, you know, and fighting the good fight of faith and, and, and seeing, you know, my husband filmed what that looked like, you know, when I got the bad report and I had to go in the hospital again. And what was my, what was my confession? What was my declaration? And it was, you know just being able to film the fight of faith. And, and so after 20 years of standing, it was, uh, it was a lot of um, challenges, you know, going, I see healing in the word and, and learning how to navigate that and, and, and to live by faith, what it really means. Cause faith is believing something, having trust in God when you don't see it and you don't feel it. And I, that's what I learned, you know, in that, in that, you know, how many years, um, 17 years of standing was to get into the word and, and to, you know, <laughs> brainwash my mind with the truth so that when those bad reports came and those symptoms came and, you know, deteriorated lungs came 
I was able to maintain my faith and my joy because of, because of being filled with truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and that truth will make you free. Not a symptom-free body, but, but knowing the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is truth manifest. And when we look at him day in and day out, and circumstances still continue to, you know, stare us in the face every second of every day. It's like you still hold on to the truth in the midst of that storm. And that's what I learned over that, you know, decade, over a decade and a half or whatever, was just to get into the word of God and and get my my strength from him because there was nothing in the natural that was hope except Jesus himself. Yeah. He's the, the Prince of Peace. Yeah. And friends, Lynn is is the example of what it means to have faith and to stand on the truth and what the word says and that faith in Christ and in these videos on her YouTube channel of as she's in there dealing with this, you're actually praying for nurses and hospital staff in there in in, in so many of your videos. Um what what so eventually you ended up in the U.S. for for something right because this is how this is where I first came to know of your story. So can you can you take us to what brought you down there? And and then I ask you that because when I first discovered you in these videos, and you're walking around with a nasal cannula like you're on oxygen and you're praying healing for people, and what uh, what really grabbed my heart the most is the way these people were looking at you someone who you know who's obviously dealing with something and yet you're praying for their healing it's just so powerful so can you take us through what what brought you down there in that whole piece yeah so my church that i was going to decided to bring an evangelist to our church and he came and just like Line upon line, precept upon precept, he began to teach about how we're all called to be a witness for Jesus. We're all called to win the lost. And and that an evangelist's job is actually to, Ephesians 4 in the Bible says that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their job is to equip the church to do the works of the ministry. And so he taught us that He's an evangelist, and he's equipping us to do the works of the ministry, to go out. And Jesus said in, in John 4 that the harvest is already ripe and to go. <laughs> so when I learned that truth, and like a child, I believed it. I remember that day after the, the evangelist shared how we're all called to be witnesses, we went out into our city for one hour, and I remember uh, he taught me about you know, doing this little survey about asking a few questions, you know, going up to people and, and asking them, you know, not saying it were to happen, but if you were to die today, where do you believe you'd go? And sharing about what the Bible says, that all who call the name of the Lord will be saved and, and that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And and um, that day in one hour, I remember praying with over 13 people to receive Jesus into their heart. Wow. And something, a revelation went off on the inside of me that that I was not specially called, but I was a Christian, which means Christian, like Christ-like, that I was called to represent Jesus in a lost and dying world. And that 
that I was a minister, like the Bible says, of reconciliation, you know, reconciling the world back to Jesus, going, hey, God's not mad at you. He loves you. The Bible says everyone that calls on his name will be saved. And I just remember um, just being kind of like just on fire for sharing the good news of the gospel. That's what gospel means. It means good news. And when you know something good, you want to give it away. It's, it's like if we get a new pair of shoes for, for $5, we want to tell everybody. That's like evangelism. When you know something good, you want to tell everybody. And that evangelist taught, taught us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And like a child, I was like, okay, I'm saved. I'm standing on that I'm healed. And healed people um, win the lost. Healed people pray for the sick. And so I started doing that. Me and my husband would go out with our church and hand out hot, hot dogs on Monday nights. And, and I remember I started praying for the, you know, the homeless people and, and, and just whoever showed up. And I just remember just, you know, going out every week and, and just being part of that street chats and, you know, just chatting with people, but also praying for them and, and eventually, I, me and my husband started leading outreach in our church, and and barely anybody would come out. You know, it was like, you know, just me and my husband would, you know, he would sometimes film, you know, film the encounters where uh, we started learning about words of knowledge and just, yeah, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and, you know, quickens our mortal body, and we have that that same Holy Spirit in us. So the same gifts that Jesus had, we have it. Um, Jesus had the spirit without measure, but we have the spirit with measure. And as the body of Christ, we are like Jesus, you know, and Jesus said, you know, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick. You know, we as believers will speak with new tongues. And these are the signs of a believer. And so when me and my husband learned that, it was, you know, the next phase of, of our Christian walk, which was, is not living by feelings, you know, walking by faith and not by sight and, 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 and being a light in our city and beginning to do outreach, whether no one came out, which, which happened so many times, um, in Canada, there just wasn't a lot of people that were, you know, um, stepping out that much. And so we, we remember we were watching a video and we ended up coming across a video by Todd White, And I remember seeing him just pray for people and it was another level of words of knowledge and, and just signs of healing and things like that. And I was like, like, I always did this with my faith. If I couldn't find faith people that believed in healing um, strong enough, I would just find them online and I would listen to, you know, ministers on faith and healing. And so I did the same thing with evangelism. I started watching all these evangelism videos by Todd White and just being um, inspired, going, um, look what the Holy Spirit's doing for, through him. I'm going to go and replicate that and, and feed, my, you know, feed my own faith on evangelism because I had no evangelism buddies except my husband you know, locally. So me and my husband started going out and, and literally just you know, our faith growing in the area of words of knowledge and and my husband began to film right at that time as well, just seeing people get saved and accept Jesus into their heart and repent of their sins and also words of knowledge and, and things like that. So that's right when my husband began to, 
to film, um, you know, evangelism and, and just stepping out. So yeah, it was, that was the next step of our ministry and, and how we ended up going to the States is because we, was it, we ended up going to a Reinhardt Bonnke School of Evangelism in Toronto. We just paid our way. We we're just so hungry for evangelism and we saw the need because Jesus said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And so we were so hungry to be around people with the same precious faith, you know, to win, to be a light that believed that they were called as well. Cause I, my preach, not preach, but my heart uh, message back in that time was, we're all called. It's not just for the evangelists. You know, we're all called to be a witness. That's the great commission is, you know, to go into all the world and preach this good news to everyone, anyone who will listen. And so, yeah, we went to the Reinhardt Bonnke School of Evangelism. We paid our way to go there. And we we saw that Reinhardt Bonnke obviously was speaking there and Todd White was speaking there. And we're like, man, that's a good combo. You know, Reinhardt Bonnke, who's so you know, proficient in salvation message and signs and wonders and Todd who's so proficient in um, representing Jesus in his everyday life, just simple childlike faith in, um, you know, being a light, you know? And so we went and I just remember being so excited to be around people who had the same passion to win souls. And I just remember listening to Todd about, you know, he talked a lot about character and just about not go a witnessing, but to be a witness. And I started learning, yeah, just what it means to live a life 24 seven on fire for God, not being ashamed and just being completely sold out to, you know, letting God flow through us. So that was why we ended up going to the States because Todd mentioned something about these power and love conferences. And I remember uh, Todd was saying that he sp- spoke at them and that they all go out on outreach on like six outreaches at a conference. And I'm like, wow, that's healthy. Like, you know, it's one thing just to hear a message. Yeah. Yeah. We all got to win souls, but it's a whole other ball game when you actually put it into action and you actually put your faith, like James in the Bible says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Yeah. You know, not saying that we're saved by works, but it's like, you know, if we say we have faith and that, you know, we believe that we're, you know, called to be a light, then we need to step out in the midst of fear all around and intimidation all around and just go, you know, because you actually learn 80% of, of what you learn through your ears by doing. And so I really, really like the power and love conferences because there were so many opportunities to go out and, and just pray for people and God would show up so powerfully every time all the groups that went out um, and so that's why I ended up being in the States because we just wanted to be around people who had a heart to, to win the lost and to be a light. And, you know, we really liked, we really loved Todd's heart for, for the lost. It's, you know, it's a normal Christian to, to want to share that good news with people and to bring heaven into the, into the, you know, into that realm, wherever you are. So that's why we ended up going to the States because, yeah, we just wanted to to grow, you know, and the Bible says iron sharpens iron. So we'd go and we'd learn just and, and step out and learn how to how to pray for people at these power and loves. They have all these speakers all pinpointed on one theme, which is becoming love, you know, 
becoming like God, you know, in our, you know, our surroundings and bringing the power and the love of God to people. And that's where we just really went. We were just felt really at home there and just began to, yeah, go. We'd fly and we'd pay our way. Instead of going on vacations, we'd go to power and love conferences. And, you know, me and my husband would take groups out and, and, you know, we'd lead groups and, and, and we just found more people on board on that same page of evangelism. So that's why we started traveling and, just paying our way to go around and do evangelism. So you would go to multiple power and love conferences. Yes. Yeah. We were just like, one wasn't enough. We just loved, you know, um, just their heart, you know, and their equipping and the outreaches. And, and we just wanted to, you know, lead other people in doing the same thing because, you know, we wanted to help equip other people and show them how easy it was to just love people. And it was just, yeah, it was just our passion. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, so what, what happened? Can you take us into now, were you on a waiting list for a transplant or, or how did that all work out? And, and can you take us through that? Yeah. So at that time, my lungs started dropping and it, when your lung function drops below 30%, that's when the doctors start talking to you about lung transplants. And, you know, it's not a cure. It's not like a, uh, it's a very serious operation. It's one of the most major surgeries you can get. And so it's not like a cure. It doesn't cure cystic fibrosis, but it helps relieve the disease from the lung area. And my lungs, um, at 30%, I didn't want to talk about lung transplant. I was so afraid to go through such a major surgery. And so I just was living in a place of, of just, I would say, a little bit of spiritual pride because I was thinking, you know, that I would, you know, just be healed. And this is, you know, I, w- I don't need a lung transplant. And, and so I just, I was kind of pushing it off, pushing it off. And then at the point of, my lungs being at only 18%, um, the doctors were like, Lynn, you should really get uh, the test done to be on the lung transplant wait list. And so I started feeling really short of breath because I, you know, only had 18% lung function, but God was supernaturally sustaining me. Even, even at that place, you know, my faith was working, you know, because I was still bike riding two kilometers with an oxygen tank on the back of my bike. And it was like, God was still sustaining me supernaturally. My doctors were amazed at what I could do with such little amount of lung function. And so I would be traveling and and going and, and praying for people, carrying this oxygen tank around because I was in this place of not being the sick, trying to pray for the sick. I was in this place of faith where healed people pray for the sick. And I would, I'd be so um, focused on other people that I just pray for them. And, and there are very rarely ever times where people have, you know, not wanted prayer, whether I have an oxygen tank on or not, because I still pray for people. And it's, it's just our heart, right? Our heart postured towards other people. So I just pray for people. And even though um, I wasn't quite ready to be listed on the lung transplant list, I, I got, I got ready really quickly because I started just seeking God. You know, the Bible says to, um, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and all of our ways, acknowledge him. And, and I, 
I had to humble my faith and go, God, you know where my faith is at. You know, I, I've been fighting cystic fibrosis my whole life. And instead of me just saying what I want and, 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 you know, there's, there's three areas of faith there or not areas of faith. There's three areas you can be in with your faith. There's faith, there's foolishness or there's presumption. And I was in this place of, of just believing the best I knew to believe, but my faith was, it was sustaining me supernaturally, but, but God was like, do you believe that I can bless a double lung transplant? Do you believe that, can you use your faith and believe that it will go supernaturally and that you'll actually get a testimony out of it? And instead of fearing, you know, the lung transplant, because God isn't in, he's not in fear. It says that perfect love casts out all fear. So in that place, I just started getting really um, just short of breath. And it was really um, just going to God and going, okay, God, where is my faith at? And then God's saying, use the faith I've given you to believe for a supernatural double lung transplant. And so I ended up going and letting the doctors list me on the lung transplant list. I didn't know that it would take three years to get those perfect lungs, but as I was on the wait list, I was still traveling. And every time I would have to leave the country, they would have to put my name on hold. So it was always a step of faith to travel because I couldn't afford to get sick because even a common cold could have caused my lungs to drop even more. And, and if your lungs drop too low, then you can't even be listed for a double lung transplant. You have to have enough strength to go through the surgery. So, yeah, I was just praying for people and just living by faith. And I wasn't worried. I was afraid of the surgery, but I had to go to God with that and, and, and build my faith that God gave me that it was going to become a testimony and not just, um, yeah, not just, you know, not just a, a barely get through kind of testimony, but something that would, you know, glorify God. And I've, you know, the, the whole the whole transplant was supernatural. It was uh, normally a lung transplant is six to 11 hours long. And God made that transplant so supernatural that it was only three hours long for the whole surgery. Wow. And they ended up calling my husband at um, five in the morning. And I went in at two in the morning and they said, we're all done. We just have to sew her up. And it was like, God was, you know, in that OR room, I remember my husband took a photo. He actually filmed a lot of my lung transplant and he just filmed the, uh, just how supernatural it was, every aspect of that supernatural recovery. So God was with me every step of the way. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. Praise God. Praise God. So what, uh, okay, so that's five years ago. So what, what is, what's life like for you right now? So, yeah, I am so thankful. One of the prayers I prayed after my lung transplant was, Lord, help me not to be like the children of Israel that forgets what they were delivered from. Because I used to have to do three hours of medicine every single day just to have, like, barely working lungs. They were so congested. It's like having pneumonia every day of your life. And you do all this physio to get it, you know, all the congestion out and all these antibiotics and just these things try to help sustain you. When you have a lung transplant, you don't have cystic fibrosis in your lungs. So you don't need to do that anymore. And, and before I would just listen to three hours of 
preaching faith or reading the Bible while I would do my physio before my transplant. Now it's like God has given me just brand new lungs that work perfectly. And life is, you know, it's still a faith fight. There's things that I've had to believe for even after my lung transplant. I had a blood disease called neutropenia for two years. And, you know, God led me. Uh, what to do in that situation. That's why it's so important that we we don't just do what someone else did. Oh, she had a transplant, so I'll get a surgery. Or this person threw their medicine away, so I'll I'll do the same thing and I'll be healed. But no, it's a personal relationship with God going, God, you know my heart. What do I do in this situation with the faith that I have, the experiences that I have? And with my blood healing, there was no natural um, things that they could do to help me. My lung transplant doctors didn't know what was going on. It was like my whole body was attacking itself and I had no immune system. And so God just led me to continue to pray over my medicine and just speak over my body every day. And I did that for a year and a half. And all of a sudden my blood was completely healed. Nothing in the natural change like with medicine or anything like that. But that was my first divine healing where there was no medical help or anything. And and my blood was completely healed from neutropenia. Um, and it's been almost three years now. And my blood specialist is like, it's bizarre. Your blood is perfectly normal. He's like, I have no idea what happened. And I just, I told him it was lots of prayer. And, and he's like, well, we can't rule that out. Keep doing what you're doing. He's like, but I don't need to see you anymore. And so that was, uh, you know, a fight of faith even after my lung transplant. It's not like, you know, life is perfect and we don't have to use our faith. You know, it's it's a continued fight all for his glory, right? Oh, yeah. Amen. And all for those opportunities to share that with those people, right? Like your blood specialist. Bizarre. Absolutely. Awesome. Is, awesome is the word, right? Of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It's, I, I've had like even nurses and things like that go, Lynn, you know, I know someone waiting for a lung transplant. We're not allowed to do this, but you're so positive and they know why I am because I always share about God. I pray for, you know, the nurses when I'm there, I, I share what God's done in my life. I always share my lung transplant testimony, what God did and, and, you know, word gets around and even nurses and respiratory therapists are like, can I give your number to this person? Cause they're afraid they're, they're having a lung transplant and, I'm just wondering if you could talk to them. And so I do, but I share Jesus and I, I pray for them. And, and um, yeah, it's all about glorifying God in every situation, knowing that God is good um, and resisting sickness with every fiber of our being, but, but declaring God's goodness and, and being unashamed of the gospel and, and making the most of every opportunity. Yes. And, you know, even going through my lung transplant was like one of the, biggest um challenges that i went through but in the midst of that you know i was praying for my nurses and i was you know just praying before my transplant for people uh after my transplant you know ministering to some of the patients in the hallway and praying peace over them it's like we have something to give the enemy's a liar and he tells us that when we're sick or weak in the natural that we're victims and that we have nothing to give but but God has shown me again and again that we are more than overcomers. We are, we are, um, God causes us to triumph, you know, on a, he leads us on a constant pageant of triumph where we literally disperse the fragrance of Christ everywhere that we go. 
And he is with us. He's gone before us and he's in us. And the whole point of living is to manifest, you know, God's love in a, in a lost and dark world. Yeah. That's awesome. Lynn, thanks so much for sharing your story. Thank you. It's such an honor to meet you. Um, so your, your YouTube channel, uh, a lifestyle of evangelism. Yes. Yes. That's right. And you're also on Instagram and Twitter at heavenly lungs. Yes. (laughs) And, and, uh, friends, I would encourage you to check those things out. I'll put the links for, well, I'll put, uh, the heavenly lungs and the link for the YouTube channel in the description on the podcast formats on, uh, the Toddcast underscore DAC on uh, uh, on the gram and also on our Disciple of City Facebook when it gets posted as well. It'll be in there in the listing. And uh, you have a documentary coming out as well on your journey. We were talking about that earlier before we got on there. What uh, Do you have a title for that or an idea of when that will be out, this documentary uh, documenting your whole journey through this? Yeah, so since my husband met me, we've been married for 18 years just to on on, Dece- or on September 5th was our anniversary and um, my husband just had it on his heart he's been filming my whole testimony of my uh, healing and evangelism since we met so we have over you know about 20 years of um, footage and my husband had it on his heart to do these um, videos these uh, I don't know I don't like the word episode because it's not entertainment it's just to glorify God to and to show people what it looks like to be in the fight. It's so easy to share the testimony after when you're all looking good, feeling good. But um, my husband has a real grace to capture uh, in the midst of the fight, you know, going through my lung transplant, going to the doctors, um, you know, and, and being in just that whole fight of faith and, and what it looks like to just believe God, you know, to encourage people that, you know, God, causes us to triumph if we put our faith in excuse me our faith in him so my husband's just doing a just a documentary you know on on our youtube channel with just going to be starting from like the oldest footage all the way up to the newest just little um episodes of just my my the faith white fight and and uh yeah I, I don't know what he called it i can't remember you know our heart is just to help people to be an encouragement and uh so he he has already seven of the videos ready. He's just got to post them at the right time to yeah, encourage people, you know, what it means to walk by faith and not by sight and to show that God is faithful. He's so faithful and worthy of all the glory. So yeah, uh, we're really excited. I'm excited to encourage people and, and, uh, continue, you know, continue faith fight as well. So, yeah. yeah, we'll just be posting them on YouTube, on my Facebook page, Lynn Marie, and yeah, praise God, you know, glorify him with and flood the airwaves with the goodness of God and the glory of God. Yeah, and so watch those, share those, and you better have a box of Kleenex beside you because when I watch some of these things, man, it just really, it's so powerful. And really, that is Christ in us, the compassion of, of the Lord that's planted in us waiting to blossom, right? Amen. Um, I have one more question for you for our outro. Um, so you uh, talked about supernatural surgery that was going on. Um, 
what what would you say to somebody? Because I'm totally with you. That's supernatural. Something that's supposed to take six to eleven hours takes three. That's God's hand all over that. God's hands through the doctors and everything. What would you say really quickly to somebody who would hear this story from you and just still be, well, you know what? That was really the doctors and like not wanting to give the credit to the Lord and thinking it was just the doctors. What, what would you say to someone like that? If you had, if you could. Well, most importantly, if anyone's listening that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know that hasn't tasted and seen that God is real, that he's good, that he's God is still on the throne. I pray for you right now. And I pray that God would visit you in your seat, right where you are, that his presence, Lord, I pray would that you would go and touch that person's heart that doesn't know you yet, that hasn't experienced your goodness, your faithfulness. I pray for that person that doesn't know Jesus right now. And I pray father that you would draw them to yourself right now in Jesus name. And that, Father, you'd send labors into their lives that would testify of your goodness and show your love and your power. And, Lord, I pray for those that that are Christians that have had things happen where people they've loved have died and, and tragedies happen. They're, they're facing symptoms in their own bodies right now. And they're going, there's no hope in the natural. Or I can't believe that God would do that. I don't know if God's really in that. I pray for those right now that, that are that are Christians that are sick, that are that are tired, that are sick and tired of being tired, Lord. I pray that you would touch them right now. Because my words mean nothing, but the testimony of Jesus is everything. And I pray for those right now that are dealing with pain right now in their body, arthritis. Um, I just command uh, all the pain right now to leave in Jesus' name. Inflammation, go in the name of Jesus. I just speak peace peace in Jesus name to every person listening Lord you are real and I thank you there is no distance in the spirit and I pray for everyone right now that Lord you would visit them with your peace right now and that they would know that these testimonies are real Father what you've done and that and that that testimony of what you've done in my life that I walked eight kilometers two weeks out after a double lung transplant um, only needing to be in ICU for one day, having a three-hour double lung transplant, being supernaturally healed of a blood disease. The fact that I overcame, you know, dying at the age of 12 and overcame being aborted as a baby, all these things was you, Father. And I pray that that testimony would encourage people to believe that hope would arise, Father, and that they would continue to, to dig into your word, to find out who you are, you are good. And you are not the author of sickness, but you are the author of life. So in Jesus' name, I speak life to every person listening, the life of Jesus. And that if you do not know where you would go if you were to die today, I pray that you would ask God to come into your life, to, to change your life. And just, just ask God to forgive you of your sin, what you've done wrong. And he will wash you as clean as snow as he did me. And give you a purpose and a hope and a future and an expected end. So, Lord, I bless every person listening, and I pray, Father, that this will reach the right people, even those that are suicidal, that that they would be reached through the screen, to, that they be touched by love himself in the name of Jesus. And I command every evil spirit to leave, every uh, spirit of infirmity go in Jesus' name, and I just speak life and healing in Jesus' name. Amen.